man, it, it's just it's just, it's kind of odd because it's like if Sean Payton wanted to coach all of these Saints players so badly, why didn't he just stay in New Orleans to begin with? <laughs> it's like, a great question. Like, like, like why trade for Will Lutz? Why sign Marcus Calloway and Lil Jordan Humphrey and Tony Jones Jr. and Michael Burton and um, Lucas Kroll? And <laughs> I mean, I, I could go on all day. There's so many of them over there on the coaching staff too. And it, But it is what it is. He's got his guys. The Saints have theirs. Uh, I hope it works out for everybody. But gr- groupie's exciting. Um you know, I, I am one of groupies. Groupies here is is the <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, he he he's, he had a great training camp with the Saints. He he kicked very well in preseason. Uh, he he's he's you know he he can go the distance. Welcome to the show, Ryan O'Leary here, and I am excited to be kicking off season four, season four of the Saints Wire podcast. Joined as always by my good buddy John Sigler of the USA Today Network. John, can you believe it's been four years since we started doing this thing? Oh man, time flies, does it not? Uh, it does. <laughs> gosh, man, yeah, I did not realize it had been four years for us already. Yeah, I, I, mean, threw, I, I threw you off with that comment. Yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm frazzled. <laughs> but I know you're ready yeah. for another year. I know that. Oh, for oh for sure. Very very excited to be back in the saddle here and uh, get back to talking some Saints football. Is it fair to say there's a little bit of hype around the team right now, John? Right, like it seems like the Saints are the trendy pick to be one of those teams that you know, finishes with double digit losses, but then comes back and makes the playoffs the following year. We see it all the time. I think, I think Seattle was a, one of the big ones last year. There's a few, uh, the saints are the trendy pick because they got their quarterback. Now, Derek Carr, a lot of key guys are back. Other pieces like Michael Thomas says he's healthy and ready to roll. So are you buying some of the hype? But there's, there's a lot of people picking the saints, not only to win the NFC South, but make some noise. Yeah. The saints themselves certainly are very optimistic. Uh, they, they feel like they've got an offensive player of the year candidate and Derek Carr. They feel like he's the guy who's going to get this offense back on track. And then you look at what they have to, you know, look at the quote unquote gauntlet <laughs> they have to run through with a third place schedule in the NFC South. This team could totally win 10 or 11 games when the, when the division and host and host a uh, home playoff game. So I'm, I'm excited to see where to see where they can go and if they can kind of back up all of this bluster that they've had throughout the offseason. If there's not optimism around your team, just by the general public, I would say then what is your GM doing? Like, you, you just suck, yeah. right? If there's no optimism before you play a game, then you've completely botched everything. So I think optimism is a good sign. We're all optimistic. Uh, so for the show this week, we're, we're planning to just kind of wrap up training camp a little bit, maybe touch on some of the big stories, John, and then we'll get into Saints-Titans and really break that one down. Looking forward to that as well. But in terms of training camp stuff, Bradley Roby, right? That was, I think, the big story the big release on cutdown day where, where people were kind of surprised, including, I think, Roby himself and yeah. other players on the team. So I guess my question to you here is just give me your take on this, right? Was this purely a cost-saving measure or was the coaching staff just seeing enough of Alante Taylor as the better fit to slide inside at nickel or just they just wanted to get him on the field more? Uh, I, I saw on Saints Wire you wrote how this maybe it was a cost-saving move, but they were already under the cap, which is kind of refreshing for the Saints, being under the cap, right? <laughs> yeah. Has not been the storyline in, in past episodes. But what's, just, what's your take on maybe this decision to let Bradley Roby go? Yeah, so I think that there were two factors at play here. The main thing was they, they wanted to get Elante Taylor on the field, and he did not win that battle to start outside opposite Marshawn Lattimore with Fawcett with and Adebo. Adebo's going to start on one side of the field, Lattimore on the other, and that left a Taylor, who, who's a player the coaching staff is very excited about, uh, on the bench. And their solution was, well, he and Bradley Roby were 
you know, we, we tried both of these guys out in the slot and we decided that the, they were even enough in, you know, production. And because this is something new for, for uh, Taylor, um, you know, but, but look, between his rookie year and his time at Tennessee, he had fewer than 100 career snaps played in the slot uh, in, in, in college in the NFL. Um, they, they feel like he's a, he's a young guy whose arrow is trending up. He can he can pick up a new position, and then we can get one of our better play, playmakers there on, on the field more often by having him in the, in the nickel covering the slot. And when that became the case, Roby would have been a backup, and with his contract, it would he, he would he would have been they would have been paying more for him as a backup than they were comfortable with. I don't know that they asked him for a pay cut because they kind of just let him go. There, there was some some reporting going around that they were seeking to trade him first. Uh, I guess no deals materialized on there, or maybe they just didn't try hard enough. I, I don't know. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that they couldn't trade anything for, for him at this stage in the offseason. But look, at the end of the day, they, they saved some money. They're 12th in cat space last I checked, and they, they've got one of their you know better young playmakers uh, who's going who's going to have a very big role on Sunday against the Titans. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take on it. Why didn't they trade and maybe get something more than just you know a couple couple million in salary cap space? Because three point three is nothing to sneeze at. But they did trade a player, John. This is the other big surprise. They traded their kicker, Will Lutz, back to Sean Payton. Right. So yeah, um, this is something that we maybe joked about in the offseason. Like, I'll watch Sean Payton come and poach players. Maybe maybe his kicker because. They had a, an interesting kicker situation over in Denver, to say the least, after they let Brandon McManus go. Uh, but they trade Will Lutz to the Broncos for a seventh-round pick, meaning the kicking duties will be handed by an undrafted rookie, John. So this is uh, this is a, the other big, I guess, this would fall under the surprise category a little bit in terms of Saints training camp. Yeah, and the thought all along was, well, if, anybody, if anyone is going to get traded, it could be that, that rookie, Blake Groupie himself. But that was unlikely because, you know, rookie kickers don't have a lot of value. You know, they're, they're an unproven commodity. It's just, it's not going, it hasn't happened in a long time and it's not going to happen for a long time. Uh, when, when kickers do get traded, it is veterans. And that's what we saw here with Lutz. You know, even though he had a rough year last season, uh, Sean Payton knows him well. That's someone that he trusts. And I, I think, I think he's going to, he's going to do well. You know, Denver is a very friendly lo- locale for kickers um, at playing at elevation and I, I think he's going to have a, have a big year for the Broncos, and I, I, w- I w- wish Will Lutz the best. I hope the Broncos, you know, go into the tank and are just abysmal this year because that would mean the Saints get a really good pick in rounds two and seven uh, with Denver being yes. at the top of the order. Um, but man, it, it's just it's just, it's kind of odd because it's like if Sean Payton wanted to coach all of these Saints players so badly, why didn't he just stay in New Orleans to begin with? <laughs> it's like, a great question. Like, and like, like why trade for Will Lutz? Why sign Marcus Calloway and Lil Jordan Humphrey and Tony Jones Jr. and Michael Burton and uh, Lucas Kroll? And <laughs> I mean, I, I could go on all day. There's so many of them over there on the coaching staff too. And it, But it is what it is. He's got his guys. The Saints have theirs. Uh, I hope it works out for everybody. But gr- groupie's exciting. Um you know, I, I am one of groupies. Groupies here is is the <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, he he he's, he had a great training camp with the Saints. He he kicked very well in preseason. Uh, he he's he's you know he he can go the distance. Uh, he he kicks with accuracy. I, I think he's going to do a great job. Uh, you know, Will Lutz was an undrafted rookie too at what at one at one point. Um, my concern is that groupie is going to get put into a into a big spot here in week one with the game on the line. 
and it's going to go bad, and then everyone's going to dogpile on him and DA, and, well, why did you trade Lutz? He was a pro bowler and all this, and I hope we're not – I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not what happens. I don't want us to all be prisoner, prisoners of the moment here and just rail on this. But, yeah, that, that was a bit of a surprise. So there was some scuttlebutt around the trade for, with Lutz going to Denver for a few weeks. Uh, Peter King dropped that. Um, on NBC Sports about a month ago, I think that hey, this is something to watch out for. And then we had some had some guys reporting it locally. Um, Jeff Duncan at NOLA.com kind of hinted at it, and then and then it did happen. So wish everybody involved the best, but I think the Saints are in a good spot now. Well, we got a trend now, right? Because then Bill Belichick felt you know he had to go and get a seventh round pick for Nick Folk, so he did the same thing. He had the coffee Sean Payton. So now we have oh yeah, we have a trend. Copycat league, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> These are kicker yeah. trades. That's in vogue. Well, I just hope, John, this is the last we talk about the kicker, right? So hopefully Groupie's yeah. doing his job and we just never talk kicker again the rest of the show. I mean, the rest of the season. This is our this is our kicker segment for the year. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, but real quick before we move on, uh, have you been, how much have you been keeping tabs on your guy, Sean Payton? He, he was making headlines over there, talking crap about the Jets talking crap about Nathaniel Hackett. I've been chuckling over here listening to some of those comments, especially when he's ripping the Jets. Personally, oh, I, I find it. that great. But what do you think? Have no, you been keeping tabs? Fantastic. Yeah, man. Look, any slander that we can get out about New York sports teams, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, Jets, Giants, Mets, Knicks, they're all trash. All, uh, all, every, every one of them. Uh, the Rangers, even when they left Texas. Uh, the, the, all, all of them. They're, they're, all, they're all garbage. And uh, I, I, and if Sean Payton wants to try a crusade against, the, uh, against uh, big New York uh, sports, then l- let's do it. I love it. And uh, I think that's going to be a very entertaining game to watch in a few weeks. Um, you know, we had some, uh, we, you and I have talked about this off air before. Seth, Seth Wickersham only writes like one story every six months for ESPN, and it's always a banger. And this morning, he, he, he uh, dropped a heater on us with, where he embedded with Sean Payton for a few weeks and just kind of documented what things are going, how things are going in, in Denver. Had a great line here about with uh, Sean Payton to Russell Wilson. Let me see if I can dig this up right quick. So he, he tells Rus- Russell Wilson, he says, will you, will you effing stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office here. <laughs> and that is just fantastic because that's, that's, that's what Russ does, man. He's all about his, his uh, Russ Inc. and his, his, uh, his, his public image and all, all of this stuff. And it's like, man, just focus on being a good football player. And I think that's exactly what they need there. Um, you know, whether it's uh, banning uh, Russ's uh, meditation coach from the facility or whatever they need to do, I-, I think Sean Payton is going to get the Broncos right eventually. And it should make for a really great game in 2024 when he and the Broncos come back to New Orleans for a game at the Superdome. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I just, I like that he's continuing to be like the Fox commentator, but as a head coach, he's like continuing that thing. And it's, it's been, uh, it's been gold so far. It's been brilliant. He just does yeah, not care. He, he cannot put that genie back in the bottle now. Just no, like, yeah, you're right. He, he is just <laughs> he is just out there. So, yeah, we can kick dirt on the Jets and in New York teams all day long. Let's try to kick some dirt on the Titans coming up next. How about that, right? We're going to talk Saints-Titans, but first, let's get some fantasy advice from the Huddle.com. Welcome to the 2023 NFL season. I'm Corey Benini of the Huddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for week number one. Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff at Kansas City. The Chiefs appear to be without pass-rushing defensive tackle Chris Jones and his 15.5 sacks from 2022, while Goff is likely to be without his starting center. Casey's offense could be slowed if Travis Kelsey has to sit, but there's still a chance this becomes a shootout. Be careful, though, since Goff was much better at home than on the road a year ago. Consider him a low-end QB1 in the season opener. Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson Jr. versus the Arizona Cardinals. 
Returning as the unquestioned starter on early downs, Robinson should be in for a treat in a favorable matchup to open the season. His usage at the goal line gives him touchdown upside, and Washington should lean heavily on the run with quarterback Sam Howell taking over. We should see a small receiving uptick for Robinson, but he should do enough on the ground as a fringe RB2 option against a defense that allowed 22 running back touchdowns a year ago and didn't clearly improve this offseason. Wide receiver Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints at Tennessee Titans. If Thomas really is ready to return to any semblance of his past glory, it should come this week versus a Tennessee group that is among the top candidates to be the weakest pass defense in fantasy football. A year ago, this was the best matchup for PPR wide receivers, and New Orleans should test the secondary early and often. The Saints may have trouble running, which portends to more passing volume. Thomas's floor is a 10-point PPR projection, and he has borderline wide receiver one upside. Tight end David Njoku, Cleveland Browns versus Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati gave up serious numbers in terms of volume in 2022, but only three of 89 catches by the position were worth six points. With Deshaun Watson under center in the Week 14 meeting, he found Njoku seven times for 59 yards and a score, since he has two new starting safeties in Daxon Hill and Nick Scott, both relatively inexperienced. For that alone, we like Njoku's chances of posting another robust fantasy line. For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back, and thanks for sticking with us. The Saints kicking off with a fun home game against the Tennessee Titans, John. Uh, And, you know, there's been a lot of talk. I don't know if Saints fans are probably getting annoyed with all the talk about how easy their schedule is this year, but there's been a lot of chatter about the Saints' easy schedule. Uh, But I kind of feel like this is an important game at home. I know it's only week one, but the Saints are on the road four out of the next five weeks, right? And they have a short week coming off that Carolina Monday nighter. They have to go to Lambeau Field in week three. So this is like a sneaky, important little game because although maybe the opponents won't be that tough, they're going to be on the road a lot here over the next month or so. So let's go win this one. Yeah, man, they've got to start this year quick. Uh, they, they, they cannot afford to drop these games at home, start the year with a loss. Uh, that, that, that cannot happen. And I, I think this is a good matchup um, here against Tennessee. I say that knowing full well that it runs counter to what I'm about to say. So the Saints want to run the football. They, they, they had one of the heaviest uh, run-pass splits in, in the league last year. Uh, they, they don't want to have to win, live and die with their quarterback. Um that's going to be an issue against Tennessee because the Titans, they, they, they had one of the, if not the best run defense in the country last year, and they've been one of the most consistent run defenses over the last five years. Uh, they, they have a ton of talent there. They're very well coached. They don't miss tackles. They, they rally to the football. They plug their game their gaps, and they read their keys and react very quickly. Uh, they're returning something like seven of their eight starters in, 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 along the D-line and at linebacker. Uh, it's going to be an issue. With that said, if the Saints are in a position to where they have to throw on Tennessee, I I love that matchup. The Titans are going to be without their best cornerback, Caleb Farley. He's starting the year on the pup list with with an injury. He's going to be out. Who's replacing him? Well, that would be Sean Murphy Bunting, who was last getting torched by the Saints every single time they played the Buccaneers. Um, He's going to be starting on the right side opposite Christian Fulton, who's kind of been kind of a disappointing draft pick out of LSU uh, for Tennessee. This is a secondary that can be beaten, and I think this is a great opportunity for Derek Carr to kind of strut a bit and for the Saints uh, receiving core to kind of show, re- remind everybody who they are, you know, but w- whether that's Michael Thomas, you know, coming off of yet another injury, whether it's Chris Olave, you know, building off of what, what, what was a very impressive rookie season. You know, anyone who goes back and looks, they'll, they'll see how, how effective he was, especially deep downfield. I think he could un- unlock some things for Carr that he struggled to get going with the Raiders last year. 
uh, the last two years when Josh McDaniels was terrible offense. Um, the main concern for me is that so much of the, it's one of the biggest matchups in this game. You've got a you've got left tackle Trevor Penning, who in his second career start, he's going to be going against uh, Harold Landry, who, who is the right play, plays rushes off the right side uh, in Tennessee's defense. The guy broke out the year before last with 12 sacks, 70 pressures. He's going to be a major test for Trevor Penning in, in what's only his second career start due to all of his injuries and you know just having to kind of work his way in, up into the lineup coming out of a smaller school. And that could be an issue for the Saints. If, if Penning cannot keep Derek Carr clean and buy time for him in the pocket and Landry has a big day, it's, it's going to be a long afternoon in New Orleans. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think you know the pass rush is, you know, Mike Vrabel, the one thing that might scare me a little bit you know, for the Saints in this one, it's just Mike Vrabel, right? He's just, I, I think he's one of those coaches, John, that I think he he gets it. Uh, mm-hmm. e- even though his team tends to suck in different areas, like last year, they couldn't protect the quarterback to save them lives. They couldn't stop the pass. They Their passing uh, defense grades or stats were just ridiculous. They were bad, right? Bad. But you're right. They can get after the passer, and that was what Vrabel did as a, as a pro, he was a linebacker. He was all over the place, you know, all around the football, all in the backfield all the time. He understands pressure. Um, he's really good at that stuff. So he definitely worries me. I think another thing that might worry me a little bit in this ball game for the Saints is just the run defense, right? That was kind of an Achilles heel last year. They they allowed four and a half yards per rush. That ranked twentieth in the league. The Saints also allowed 130 and a half yards per game. That ranked twenty fourth. So they're among the you know the bottom quarter. Um, of the league in uh, in rush defense. And then the Titans have Derrick Henry, who who you know they're just going to sit there and just feed him the ball. So what do you think about that matchup, you know, in particular, John? Just the Saints, their run defense versus Derrick Henry and the Titans, who you know are just going to try to plow forward. Yeah, man, I, I love it. So this is going to be a major test for something that's been a big point of emphasis for the Saints this offseason was that run defense. Uh, they only brought back a single defensive tackle who was on the team last year. Uh, the top three, three or four guys on the de- on the depth chart, they all left in free agency. They completely rebuilt that position from the ground up. They signed Colin Saunders from the Chiefs, Nathan Shepard from the Jets. They drafted Brian Brzee in the first round. Uh, they knew they were vulnerable in this area, and they took a lot of steps to c- kind of clear that up and, and tighten up their run defense. And so I... This is interesting, man. So I, I did some research into Derrick Henry in, in week one games uh, pr- prior to this, j- just to kind of see see what the Saints may be in for. Uh, how out of his so he's been in the league seven years. Out of his last seven week one games, how many of those do you think he's had a hundred yards or more rushing? One, a single game. Oh. He he is one for six, one for seven in his last uh, in in these week 1 games and that was against the, uh, the Broncos in 2020 he had 116 rushing yards um he he's kind of prone to these slow starts where he he doesn't make a lot of headway right out of the gate and the Titans have to have to pass uh, sooner than they might like and he's just not as much of a factor okay ne- ne- next question how many touchdowns do you think Derrick Henry has scored in week 1 games in his career well i got to go low here now so um Zero, close, close. Uh, two. <laughs> okay, and, I was gonna go and, two. Damn. Yeah, and they and they both came in a single game in, in 2019 against the Browns. So Derrick Henry is prone to these slow starts. He's somebody that you can you can frustrate. You can stop him at the line of scrimmage, and you and if you can keep him from building up some momentum and get and running with a head full of steam, 
uh, you, you can take him out of the game. Uh, last year against the Giants, he, he had 21 carries and he only gained 82 yards. He can be beaten in this phase uh, th- this early in the season. It, it's a different story in December and it's cold. And uh, what, what was the Michael Irvin line? Uh, man, when we, when we was playing outside in that cold weather. We was cold. We wanted to get out of there. We didn't want to be there. We didn't want to get run over. Yeah. Um, it, it's a different story when you're in a dome early in the year in the first game of the year. Uh, I, I think the Saints, they I could totally see them coming out with the hair on fire, taking Derrick Henry out of the game and, you know, kind of forcing Ryan Tannehill to throw on them. And, and that could be perilous for Tennessee. All right, I feel better about that now. Thank you, John. Uh, well, how, about, how about on the other <laughs> side Other side uh, with the Saints running the ball, right? Might see Pete Carmichael try to do that a little bit in this ballgame, right? Derek Carts his first start for the Saints. So, uh, you know, how he's going to look, we're not really sure. I think, I think the Saints might have an advantage in the passing game, as we talked about. The Titans struggled in that area mightily. You gave us some of the injuries on their side. So I kind of feel good when the Saints are throwing in this game, but you, know, you never know. It's Derek Carr's debut with a new team. He's he only played for the Raiders, right? So this is we're, we're hoping it, you know, we're hoping he comes out hot, but who knows? Maybe the Saints use the running backs a little bit more, but we know that AK is suspended, uh, and we're not sure about Kendra Miller. So is this a big Jamal Williams game, right? Like, how do you think Pete Carmichael sprinkles in the run in this game? Do you think he features it? I think they're going to try. You know, the Saints they want. This is a team that wants to run the football, and they're going to going to want to try and establish the run and run on first down and do all those things that really annoyed us last season. I, I think it might work out though. You know, so their offensive line is in much better shape than it was a year ago. Uh, two guys who made the team who played pretty important roles as backups uh, didn't make it through roster cuts. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton and Lewis Kidd, they're, they're both out of, out of the building and the Saints feel like they've improved depth. They feel like they have a better combination with Trevor Penning at left tackle, James Hurst at left guard, um, Andrew Pete coming off the bench. And they, they feel like they're in a much better position than, than they have been in the past. Uh, Jamal Williams, I'm, I'm so excited for this guy. Uh, I feel like he's in a great position here with AK sideline for three weeks with Kendra Miller, you know, battling that injury may or may not be available. We'll have to wait and see. Um, injury report comes out on Wednesday. That, that, that's that been the line from Dennis Allen for a week now. Uh, he just refuses to give any divulge any information one way or another. Uh, but back to Jamal Williams. Uh, obviously, he was a very effective runner for for the Lions last year. Led led the league in touchdown runs. Uh, but I go back to earlier in, in his career. He was the third down back for Aaron Rodgers on on the Packers uh, to to start his career in the NFL. You know, he he caught a lot of passes. Uh, he picked up a lot of blitzes, and I think that's going to keep him on the field and keep and you know keep him involved in the offense, even if the run game is a little slow. And I think he's going to have a huge role for the Saints these these first few weeks. Uh, I've had some questions about fantasy football and, and who, who's the running back to look at, whether it's Jamal Williams or Kendra Miller. And I, it's got to be Williams. I, I think he has greater utility. And I think he's going to do a great job. Um, as far as running on Tennessee, I, I think this is going to be a big Taysom Hill game. He, he recently returned to practice from an oblique injury. He, he's doing well now. Uh, and he has been you know, their most effective short yardage player for a long time. He broke out last season with, with – his career highs in, in yards, yards per carry, touchdown runs, all, all of it. He showed how effective he could be as a runner last year, and I think he's going to have a pretty heavy workload against the Titans on Sunday. And another thing in terms of fantasy drafts, too, it's like, should I draft Alvin Kamara, right? Like, he's sitting there, and people are letting him slide because he's suspended. And, you know, what do you expect from that player when he comes back, John? Do you think he's, you know, do you think it'll be more of like a timeshare with these other backs, 
Do you think he'll be kind of that dominant force we've seen in the past? Do you think he's lost a step? Man, I think his his role in the offense is going to look much more like what we saw earlier in his career. And and I, I mean I, I mean that as a positive. Uh, the Saints kind of ran him into the ground these last two years as a runner between the tackles. And I think that he is much better suited to being like that, that change of pace back and that receiving back. And I, I think he's going to do really well once he's back in the lineup. Um, Derek Carr is the first quarterback the Saints have had who – you know, since since Breeze left, who can kind of consistently uh, throw to, to AK? Uh, you know, Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston—they both really struggled on those timing passes, on hitting him in stride, uh, le- leading him, him in position to pick up yards after the catch, and and to execute those screen passes, uh, those screen plays, which have been so effective for so many years in New Orleans. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and watched the uh, that that one drive that Carr had against the Chiefs in preseason. Um, in seeing AK working with him out there. And I'm just blown away because it's like this is the first time since, you know, maybe 2018, 20, early 2019, that the Saints offense has looked like itself, where they look like a team that can spread defenses out, that can take advantage of soft coverage underneath. They can get Alvin Kamara involved on, on, on you know, out in space. Uh, it's very exciting, and I'm very eager to see if we can put it all together on Sunday. Yeah, we've been dying for somebody to throw it to AK, right? Just throw it to him. And uh, I yeah. think Derek Carr's the guy, right? He's he's a very accurate, short, and intermediate passer for sure. So, um, yeah, that'll be exciting. And, you know, and before we get to our predictions here on the game, just another player while we're on that topic of kind of Saints players that are plummeting in fantasy drafts. Another, I've had a few. My wife's so sick of it, John. She's going <laughs> to hit me with a frying pan if I have another fantasy draft while our toddlers, it's time for our toddler to go to bed and I'm sitting there on my computer. Can't talk, honey. Got a, got a draft. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get the frying pan right in the face. Um, just one more, honey. One more on Wednesday night. Sorry. Uh, but Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is a guy you can get on the cheap. Uh, a lot of people have just you know completely written him off. The talk in fantasy football is all about Chris Olave for, for good reason. But Michael Thomas is a guy you can get kind of in the middle rounds of your draft. And I always want to take him, right? I always see him sitting there. I'm like, man, if Michael Thomas just comes back healthy as he's been telling us he is going to, man, he, he could be a guy that's like a sneaky little league winner for you, right? Especially if he kind of returns to form. But how does he transform the offense overall, John, if he is healthy, right? Now you have Chris Olave. When you do get Kamara back, still have Juwan Johnson. Tons of speed with Rashid Shahid, right? And the aforementioned Olave. It just kind of opens up a whole new world for this offense if Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas this year. I don't know that he's ever going to see 150 targets a year again, but he's still a very important player for them offensively. He's somebody that they're counting on this year. And, I, you know, I'm bullish on him. I mean, we saw it last year. You know, the, 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 think back to last summer. This time last year, you know, A.J. Terrell was every football guy's favorite up-and-coming cornerback up and right until he gave up two fourth-quarter touchdowns to Michael Thomas in week one, and we haven't heard from him since. And Michael Thomas can still play. He, he can still play at a high level. He can, he can score a lot of touchdowns. Uh, I think he's going to be a really big asset for Derek Carr when they get into scoring position. Carr has never been very effective in the red zone, but he's also never really had a guy like Michael Thomas, you know, for, for his accomplished as Devontae Adams is, that's not a big part of his game. And Michael Thomas has caught 30 of his 35 career touchdown passes inside the 20. And he's someone I can totally see the Saints driving downfield and then going to 13 and 
getting him getting him matched up with somebody he's beaten before in Sean Murphy bunting and scoring a touchdown early on. And if he can stay healthy, then you know who who knows how how well he could perform. But the guy can still play if his body can hold up to the workload. Then I think he's going to be a very important player for the Saints this year. We've gotten to the point, John, now where it's time to make our prediction. Uh, can the Saints cover this three-point spread at home? They're three-point favorites. At least that was the spread as of Labor Day. Uh, give me your take. Do the Saints cover this thing? Yeah, I think so. Neither of these teams are, have really high-scoring offenses last year, but I feel like the Saints have made the most additions. Uh, the major issue for me, for Tennessee, is their offensive line. Uh, they've got four new starters. Uh, the fifth one is moving from center to guard. <laughs> so this, this is a unit that hasn't played a game together before. And they're going to be running into a Saints into a Saints defensive line that wants to be very disruptive. And I could totally see them, you know, getting Ryan Tannehill frazzled, sh- shutting down Derrick Henry at the line of scrimmage, uh, and then and then the Titans kind of struggle to put up points. So I like the Saints in this matchup. I think they're going to be more adaptive. I think they have the personnel to do more things in different ways. And uh, yeah, I, I could see them. To, I could see them covering that spread. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm buying the hype on the Saints right now, and uh, I just think they have a little bit more than the Titans. Now, the Titans, they did add DeAndre Hopkins, right, who I think he's a pretty good player. I think he'll be fine. And, and him and Traylon Burks, uh, you know, they're, they've got some weapons. Derrick Henry, we've mentioned him. Uh, I just think the Titans, they just had so many glaring issues. You just mentioned one of them, John, offensive line, uh, passing defense. They just... They had too many problems last year, and I just don't know if they're solved yet. And I just tend to think that the Saints with Derek Carr here, uh, I just think they they have a little bit more going on. So yeah, I think give me the Saints. Give me the Saints minus three. I'm going to cover that. I'm going to pick them to cover with uh, a little bit of confidence right now. But maybe that's just the hype, you know. A lot of people have been talking up the Saints, John, and I'm just I'm just buying it. And also, I think they're they're going to come out focused because again, tough start to the year when you have to go. After this game, again, four out of the next five weeks on the road, including a Monday night game, that's not an easy situation. So this is a big game for them at home. I think they come out and take care of business. So Yeah, I'm excited to see it, see, if it, see how it goes, and uh, hopefully they, they, they can win a lot of games this year. So for John Sigler, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us as always. We'll talk to you next week. 